Welcome to the show of values. <laughs> Come back when you got some money, buddy. Hey, everybody. I'm Kevin. I'm Caitlin. I'm Brian. And this is Pixel Stories. This is episode eight, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, top of the show business is first. <laughs> top of the show business. <laughs> top of the show business. What, what's the... Oh. What? Top of the show. Potatoes is <laughs> top of the show. Well, what is it, Brian? What is uh, What do you keep saying? Uh... Uh, you blew it? No. Uh, no. <laughs> you blew it. You blew it. You blew it. No, it's, uh, what is oh. it? Oh. It's nasty. It's nasty. Miss Jackson. <laughs> Top of the show business uh, yeah. is nasty yeah. if you're Miss Jackson. <laughs> um, same as last time. We'll have some new merch up there. I guess as of this week, Gallo Farm just got their bees all set up, right? Yes, they did. I was uh, there for, I think, day two. They had gotten the bees the previous day, and I showed up to lend a hand with other things, and they were like, oh, we set up the bees, and I, I walked over there. No fear. No no fear. I had no, I didn't have a, a you know, one of those masks. I didn't have gloves. Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to walk right up to this beehive. Yeah. And they were really nice, because they were happy little Italian honeybees. Buzz, buzz. Buzz, buzz. Chum, buzz, buzz. She, yeah. she stuck her hand right in there like Winnie the Pooh. No, 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 <laughs> no. no. good, sweet honey. And, you don't bother them they don't bother you so you know i just peeked in they were okay with it for those of you who don't know what gallo farms is shame on you number one and uh number two you should listen to our previous episodes because we're not gonna tell you (laughs) (laughs) i guess the point of that that was a long description of there will be honey soon on the website you just told him he said we're not gonna tell you well, no, we said honey, but he said gallo I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so on this week's episode of You Blew It. Uh, I blew it again. Not really, but yeah, it's worth mentioning. So in the Stardew Valley episode when we were referencing different music tracks, I was going by, if you were to take the soundtrack and put it in directly into a CD player, I did not realize, uh, however, that if you open the CD on a computer... It's like 60-some-odd tracks, and all the numbers are different. So if you want to reference the numbers, you will have to put your CD into an audio CD player. Go from there as if you put it into the computer. The numbers will not line up. Won't make any sense. All right, well, I guess we should get down to business. Not top of the show business, but business of the show. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the show business or mid show business. Mid show business. Business. It's still at the top of the show. It's just, <laughs> it's just not business. <laughs> it's business. That's business. why. All right. Well, let's talk about the game itself, the plot, and characters, and then we'll get into it. So, okay. Bioshock Infinite is a first person shooter. Uh, it's very story driven. It's like the other Bioshocks. System Shock. If you haven't tried that, which was. Very cool. Mm-hmm. The, the spiritual predecessor. Mm-hmm. It was very, very good. The I guess the main story we won't give away all of it yet till the end. But the you start the game and you're on a rowboat and you're heading toward a lighthouse with we know we know they're scientists. They're just two twins. Two very annoying twins. Yeah, and, you're like, what's up with these guys? Yeah, twins. And they're, and they're in um, twins. They're in rain gear. You are not. They give you a little box that has a gun in it, a couple little pieces of paper. Bring us the girl. Wipe away the debt. So the whole premise is, from what you know when you start the game, is you owe people money, and you got to go return this girl to get the debt wiped away. Mm -hmm. Um, Like most Bioshocks, uh, it takes place in a, I guess, fantastical 
would be the best word. I'm not sure what to, what to use. Yeah. Like Cause it's not really futuristic because it's yeah. weird. It's kind of like a throwback at the same time. Right. It's like a an amazing city. You know, Rapture was 60 bounds under the sea, and this one's... They don't say how they say actually. Yeah, Columbia's in very sky, high in the sky. sky. There's I mean there's clouds, you right. know, you're up there. And they they even say it like when you're traveling up. I feel like if the clouds went by you'd just get wet. Isn't that what would happen? Yeah. 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 I think so. I don't think that happens in the game, but I don't think so. I think you just go up and then it's... You just go up and you're dry for some reason, even though you're floating in the clouds. And it's creepy. It's made of water. Like you get over the clouds, it's like it does, it's just like it's just like Bioshock. The first time you play Bioshock, when you're in the bathosphere going down, it says how many leagues you're going down, how many fathoms you're going down, mm-hmm. and it's the opposite for this. So when you're going up, it says the altitude you're at, bang, 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 bang. And the second you get to Columbia, which is the city in the sky, it says Hallelujah. Which is <laughs> really creepy. So you see this giant angel statue. You're like, oh yeah. my god. Because the first time I played this, I was like, is this gonna be <laughs> one of those games? So you're like, saying it's like bang, 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that usually how it goes? <laughs> no. Oof, cold. I mean, <laughs> obviously, yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Oh. <laughs> or, oh, sweet mystery of life. Young Frankenstein. I gotcha, I gotcha. I, 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 I was picking up what you were putting down. Thank you. No problem, no problem. All right, so I guess we'll talk about the characters themselves. Main protagonist is Booker DeWitt. That's who you play as. Voiced by um, Troy Baker again, Man Crush Saturday. <laughs> Same one as last time. He plays. Every, he pretty much plays everybody at this point. He's just he has that kind of voice. He does a great job. Booger Dewitt is kind of a gruff, beat up detective. He's a rough and tumble hard, detective that doesn't hard, play by the rules. See a hard boiled detective? Is it fair to say? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. How does he have his coffee? With liquor. <laughs> he looks. He, he likes his, his coffee. Black with piss in it. Oh man. Yeah, so he's kinda not giving up on life, but he you can tell by his character he's getting there. He has a A B or no sorry, A D. Abigail? Yeah, sorry. A D uh, not scored, uh, branded on, yeah. onto his right hand. His wife's name was Abigail. We don't know how she passed away, but she was killed so he branded himself. With her initials on his hand. I think it was a branding accident. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to just woodburn, and he slipped, and he was like, oh, no! <laughs> woodburn accident, just like Stan on American Dad. Yep. But, uh, yeah, he he goes to this city in the sky to get Elizabeth to wipe away his debt. This so, girl. Yeah, this girl. Yeah. Her name's Elizabeth. That's all he knows. Well, I mean, the, the only other thing we know about Booker is that he worked for a detective company called the Pinkertons which obviously is a real company. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And then he was in the military. They didn't say specific, specifically which um, cavalry, cavalry unit he was in. But oh. he was at, supposedly he was at the Battle of Wounded Knee. We'll talk about that too. Um, the other characters is, uh, her name is Elizabeth. That's the girl that he's going to retrieve. She's very intelligent, resourceful, uh, strong-willed, but a little naive. She grew up in this tower secluded from the entire world so all she knows is the tower and a whole lot of books yes. she's really good at flicking coins though yeah <laughs> i don't know why she just give you all at once <laughs> but i think probably because she enjoys it like hey <laughs> you know? hey, I know you're like under fire and like you're trying to reload, but here's a coin for your troubles. <laughs> That's my favorite. I mean, what else is she gonna do locked in the tower besides read books? Flick coins, yep. obviously. You, you know, it's like a, like the jailhouse trick where they uh, you know bring Put the, the coin and the knuckles and they like you know. Yep. 
That's a jailhouse <laughs> trick and a magician's trick, apparently, but apparently something that Elizabeth probably does as well. <laughs> She's just like, play it again, Sam. I like Elizabeth. And I like how they constantly change her throughout this game, too. So We'll talk about that, too. That kind of just jumps my memory. There's also um, the two twins, uh, Rosalind and Robert Lutess. They're, Brian's going to talk about them in terms of... They're the ones that brought you in on the... You uh, don't know it twins. when they yeah. bring you in, but they're the ones, they're the that, ones that brought you in. They're the ones that bring you to, in to this to like, house to get you ready to go to the city. So they play a big part, too, which you don't find out until later in the game. So last character we're going to talk about is Comstock. He is the... I wouldn't say a dictator, but he rules over Colombia, and he's a religious zealot. He's, uh... He's we, very zealous <laughs> about religion. <laughs> He, he uses uh, scripture to assert his will. And we don't know that he rules with an iron fist by just playing the game. You have to listen to the recordings, but there's a weird name for them. They're called like Voxes. Like the Vox. Yeah, name. Vox. That the, sounds about right. The Voxes or whatever. So if you listen to those, you see that he's a very stern ruler, but you wouldn't know by just playing the game. You would just maybe assume. But listening to the recordings, then you realize that, oh, okay. He's not such a... He's not such a nice fellow. Nice guy. I'm, I'm just going to refer to him as Stern Father. From <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I was going to go with Father Christmas, a very angry Father Christmas. He has a big, like, big, like, white beard and... Oh, boy. Well, he's kind of skinny, though. He's, he's like Santa on diet. He's Santa Light. Santa Light. Santa Zero. Yeah, if Santa was a religious zealot, Yes. Santa light. All go. the Santa flavor you love with none of the carbs or sugar. <laughs> oh my god, why are we talking about eating Santa? Very <laughs> delicious. Actually, that sounds more like, yeah, he's got some nice marbling, I'm sure. Oh yeah, he's full of cookies and milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but somehow he doesn't have any of the carbs or sugar. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, sweet, sweet meats. Sweet, sweet oh god. Meats. Hi, Butcher Pete here for Butcher Pete's Sweet Meats. Oh no. (laughs) I'm chopping all day. (laughs) (laughs) Whacking and smacking. (laughs) Whacking and smacking that sweet meat. Oh Oh, no. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, that's a song. I don't want to whack sweet meat. I don't want to whack sweet meat. <laughs> Kevin's like, I have some evidence to the contrary. But... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, he's got dusting. No, no dusting. <laughs> there will be no dusting. Alright, so next, why don't we talk about called the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Booker DeWitt was working for the Pinkertons for a time. This is a real detective agency. It was created in 1850 in Chicago, Illinois by Alan Pinkerton. Illinois? Uh, Illinois, excuse me. He was the first cop to ever be promoted to detective in the United States, which is pretty interesting. Mm. Um, he eventually left to create his own company, obviously called the Pinkerton Detective Agency. We just said that. He created a code called the Pinkerton Code, and all, anyone that worked for him directly would have to abide by this code. It changed over time. And some of the rules were accept no bribes, never compromise with criminals, partner with local law enforcement agencies, refuse divorce cases or cases that initiate scandals. Turn down reward money, never raise fees without the client's pre-knowledge, and keep clients praised on an ongoing basis. So I feel like when this agency was started, it, it's kind of moral. I mean, like, I, you don't really know for yeah. sure, but with these rules, they seem like... It's the, the, 
the bedrock of integrity. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it seems, seems like it would be a good company. Yeah. Know? And even some of the deeds that they did before time went on, I feel like like most companies just started really strong and then it deteriorated. Well, but, that was because he passed he pa- away. He passed away. Yeah. And then his, I think it was like his nephew took it over first. Greed took over. Or it was his son. Then it was his grandson and then nephew. It got, it got really complicated. They did all these good deeds before it kind of went downhill. They, uh, when the Mona Lisa was moved from museum to museum, they escorted the boats and trains that held the painting. Um, there was a great fire in Chicago, and there's a lot of looting and fire damage, and they were there to help like minimize the looting and the damage. They were the first company, because I guess, I don't know if this counts as in, no, that'd be, it says in the United States, sorry, excuse me. They're the first company to make a woman a detective. Like, she was the first woman detective ever. Woo. And they were the company. Like, the, the uh, local police never did that. Yay, this girls! Is, go girls! <laughs> so they were the first one, which is kind of cool. Uh, the connection to Bioshock is Booker DeWitt, like we said, worked for the Pinkertons. And in the level, I don't remember the name of the level, but his name is Jeremiah Fink. He made the shock jock, the electricity weapon that you use with your hands. Mm-hmm. He talks to Booker about um, how he worked for the Pinkertons. The Pinkertons, as time went on, like we said, they got bad. They would be hired to bust unions. They're actually called union busters, is the term. Busted. Busted. Union Busters. <laughs> it does Who are you going to call? <laughs> Pink dreams. Union Busters. So I guess what they do... Is... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Episode just got blacklisted. Thanks for that. Sorry. Like we were saying, as time went on, the company started to not fall in tough times, but the morality of the company seemed to shift. In the 1930s, the Pinkertons were involved with uh, many union activities, and they weren't a little underhanded. They were hired as like muscle and saboteurs. So some of the stuff they'd go in there and they'd beat people up to pre- not prevent them, but to scare them from joining the union. And then they would... Um, Almost like a mafia, sounds like. Kind of, yeah. And then they would go in there and like one of the things they'd do where it says, when we said saboteurs, is like they would s- sneak in to be like, oh, I want to be part of the union. They would pretend to work for the company, be in the union, work their way up, work their way up the ranks in the union, and then steal all the funds from the union. So that's, promise- wow, that's a lot of effort. And it would bankrupt the union. That's pretty much what they do. Wow. That's crazy. So, I mean, one example of them, like, beating people up is uh, there's a company called the Underwood Elliott Fisher Company. The local, the union local was beaten so badly that it dropped membership from 2,500 people to 75 people on a weekend. Because they just feared yeah, they didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to, you know, they were, they were nervous about joining the union because they thought this stuff could happen to them. Yeah. So, you know, we get that, that feeling from this game that Jeremiah, I think, tells Booker before he meets him. He's like, I know what you did with those unions. So it's not like, hey, you helped them. You obviously were one of the ones that was a saboteur. Or the way Booker is in this game, he's he says he's no stranger to danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you did last summer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He, he was a I don't say he's an outright murderer, but he he doesn't stray away from combat, and he's obviously done some bad things. Yeah. Well, he was so, in the military. He's like Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. What did what did Darkwing Duck do during the day? Like, what was his job? I can't He's remember. Like an accountant or something stupid. See, he had he had kids, right? Or he had one kid, that little redheaded duck. Yeah. All right, we're going again. Yep. That oh, was his kid. What's this episode on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's our wing duck, right? <laughs> Disney afternoon. All right, next we should talk about the Wounded Knee Massacre. It's also known as the Battle of Wounded Knee. In the fourth chapter, I think of Bioshock. In this game, we meet the old cavalry sergeant, which knows Booker intimately. They were obviously together at this battle. And he says that Booker is pretty much a savage and that he killed a whole bunch of people. The Battle of Wounded Knee 
was uh, in December 29th, 1890. And what ended up happening is the U.S. 7th Cavalry Regiment, uh, commanded by Samuel Whiteside, um, ended up going to this encampment. And unfortunately, a lot of people died. Um, I, I want to say on both sides, but more Native Americans died. There was a dispute over them relinquishing their weapons and... Uh, they were, we were to blame, I guess. The cavalry was to blame. And they killed 150 people, but it wasn't just men. It was men, women, and children. I was saying, I think we were just to, I mean, we, we were to blame, yeah. We were general. to blame in, in general. general. Yeah. We shouldn't say, say we. We're second generation, you know. That is very I, I was, true. I was not here. Um, I was not here yet. I won't hear that nonsense. Yeah, no, our family was not here. But we, as a nation. As a nation, were. Yeah. They even said that um, the U.S. government, or sorry, U.S. Congress passed a resolution formally expressing deep regret and being apologetic for the massacre. This is years later. Uh, it was 1990, actually. So that's a wh- quite a while later. What? Yeah. 1990 I is when they actually formally apologized? I kid you not. And we, the cavalry themselves only lost 25 people compared to the 150. And those are all men, like combat. You know, those are like in the military. Yeah, not They're, families. Not, not the families. Yeah. So, you know, they you know they make that reference, his cavalry sergeant, because Booker's a monster, because he was if he was at this battle, then he did kill... Men, women, and children. So he he would have had to have taken part in the slaughter. So mm. once again, that reference to him being sins of the past. Uh, another good reference, actually, me and Brian were talking about this before we started this episode, was uh, Turtles in Time. The yeah. episode, the episode when you're in um, uh, the old the old west is called Bury My Shell and Wounded Bury Knee. Bury my It's a reference to knee. this battle, which is yeah, and also bury me with my money. <laughs> It's, it's not relevant. At it's all, each but. one to say. But no, back back to wounded knee though. An interesting fact is as many fatalities as there were, uh, there were five times as many knees uh, that got injured and wounded. Oh, yeah, true, true story. Story. It's an actual um, fact. Look at the history book. You got Peter Griffin. You got the guard from Skyrim. He was good until he took an arrow to his knee. <laughs> I like how you're like, that's all I got. You look at me like, yeah, I got anything else. I got nothing. Those are the two that I would have went to. He's like, who else? Who else got, got hurt in their knees? <laughs> Next on the show, we got to talk about, uh, we don't have to, we chose, to, I chose to talk about the, the racism in this game. It kind of took me, it blindsided me a little bit. I didn't expect it. So it was really, really odd. Because when you first get to, when you, when you first get to Columbia, you're kind of just walking the streets getting your bearings, trying to find out where Elizabeth is. And you're kind of just taking in the sights. They have, like, these barbershop quartets that are flying around on boats, and they're singing, and there's, like, a parade that goes by. Everybody's white. Yeah, every, yeah, everybody, <laughs> yeah, everybody's white. And, you know, as you get to the... See, I want to say the lottery. They call it something different. I think of the lottery because I think of the short story. The short story. Yeah, it's like a show. Yeah. Like, exactly. hey, everybody, like in Sweeney Todd, come on, come on, we're going to show you this amazing product over here. Yeah. But it's, it's not a product. Yeah, yeah. In this case, it's them being super racist and scary. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you walk in, they have, actually, we'll segue into this. When you walk in, there's the two twins. I already forgot the names. Rosalind and Robert? Maybe? Yeah, I think so. He doesn't say his name. She always says her name. He never says his name. So I forget. But they're standing there, and he's wearing a uh, chalkboard. Like oh, a, like the sandwich board, signboard thing. Thank you, sandwich yeah. board. And it says heads on one side, tails on the other. And where it says heads, there's like a, a whole bunch of marks all the way down the front of the board. And you have to flip a coin. And she already knows the outcome. They both do. They say, we know what's going to be. But she's like, maybe it'll be different. And I guess it never is. Brian will explain that, why that's relevant in a little bit. Mm. Well, before you go there, she says, don't pick number 22. 
Or make sure you don't pick number 22. Yeah. And then you don't know what that means. You're standing in the crowd. And they, I think they do call it a lottery, though. Don't so, they? I think... Is the lottery first, or is the baseball part first? No, no, that's... That's, the, they, that's, that's the, part of the lottery. That's part of the lottery. Yeah. But They're I'm picking saying, out one, who's gonna do it. Which? Oh, okay, so you pick the number first. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, 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 It's a girl. Okay, she, has like a, yeah. she has like a little, like, gotcha. basket. basket. Yeah. And everyone grabs a number, and you get number 22. And then, um, they have like a, kind of like a bingo-style thing, where they, they mm-hmm. reach in, and they pull it out, and it's a baseball, and it says number 22. And they, um, they say, oh, what? No, I'm sorry. It's just rough. Like yeah. the beginning of this. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, but they give you the baseball, and you know, he's like, oh, you know, you're lucky. You get the, the the first throw, and you're like, okay. And my mind, this, this is how far away away I was from thinking that this is gonna be something bad. Because I thought it was gonna be like a dunk take. Yeah. Because they give you a baseball, so I was like, oh, it's gonna be a dunk take. It's gonna the current is gonna go back, and it's yeah, gonna like, be like, haha, this is gonna be funny. Yeah. And that's what they set you up for, because everything's happy and yeah. everything's like. It's like this utopia, mm-hmm. and you see a little, you see a little of the religious undertones, and you're like, okay, well, yeah. you know, personally, me, I was like, hey, I can do without that, but whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement. I just, I was like, because it, it reminds you of a, a carnival. Yes. This, yes. this area you're in, you know. So then they pull back the curtains, and there's these, this couple. One's white and one's black, and they're tied to a post, kind of on like a motor that pushes them forward on this post, so they can't move, obviously. There's all these like racist drawings behind them, like really like um, almost like comics. Yeah, I almost guess. like comics. They're very like propaganda. Yes, yeah. that, that's a, that's a better word. One's like a racist depiction of uh, an African American who looks like a monkey, and it's, it's it's rough. They come out and they're like, "Oh, you get the first throw," and I was like, "Yo, for real? Like this is what's going down?" Yeah. I'm happy they gave you the option because mm-hmm. they give you the option to hit the the interracial couple or hit the guy with a microphone and I was like hit the guy with a microphone yep. as hard as you freaking can and I was like because I was like when this happened like they give you there's a timer on the screen you, you have to pick one or the other and I was like is this is this really what's going on right now I was yeah. like alright well like, because you know it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you know that if you don't hit them and you hit the announcer something bad is going to happen to you mm-hmm. but it's kind of like one of those things where it's like but I don't want to hit them so they really try to yeah. you know mess with you right there because you're like you know it's a game so you're like i want to do the thing that'll make it easier but in the same hand you're like i still don't want to do that i actually i, I didn't <laughs> there wasn't even like a blink of a yeah. thought i was like that guy's getting in the eye like the, really? the announcer i was like nope r1 oh then, see like i i always have that that dilemma when i when things like that happen in games where i'm like i could do what's easy or i could do what's right which yeah. i guess is kind of I know. No. <laughs> justice justice yeah, 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 exactly yeah. i for some reason i just didn't i think it was just because i like we just said, it caught me off guard really badly. And so right. I was just instantly angry. I, yeah, no, I did not even, it, you know, it didn't even occur it, to me. So when it kind of blindsided me, I was like, nope, that dude's getting it. And when I yeah. hit it, that's what really initiates the game and like kind of throws you into actual combat. Because when the game starts, you're just walking around trying to get your bearings of Columbia. At that part, when you're about to throw it, uh, somebody grabs your hand because right, on your right hand you have that, the branding. Yeah. You know? And then there, I guess there's signs all over... Columbia that say beware the false shepherd and it's like a like a scrunched up hand like a dark black hand with the A D mm-hmm. on it so they're looking for you yeah so they see that and they freak out and that's when you get that the sky hook mm-hmm. for the first time sky yeah hook. you know and you snap that dude's neck and then you know that's what initiates combat and mm. you move forward and find Elizabeth and all that stuff but as the game goes on it just it gets worse in terms of racism it's yeah it's, it's... 
Every, everybody gets it in this one. In this and case. they skew like historical figures yes, and fact. like you know like, pres- past presidents. Yeah, like Lincoln, yeah. Lincoln like, and um, Washington. Washington. Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's not past presidents. <laughs> it's Obama's fault. Columbia crashed to the ground. <laughs> Are you sad about it? No, I'm just sad that that, that happens. Like, yeah, I know. That, that type of thing exists. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. The, uh, the racism just gets worse and worse as the game progresses. You have that scene where, before you walk into the History Museum, there's a three-headed statue outside. And it, I forget the exact terminology. It's like the... It makes a reference to Dante's Inferno, because at the end of Dante's Inferno, the book, uh, the devil is... The three heads of the betrayer. It's Judas, Brutus, and I forget the third one because it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> this happens every Judas, time. Judas, Brutus, and Steve. And Steve. <laughs> what did you do? I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they make that reference. Before you walk in, there's this like chimera, and it's three heads. And one head is supposed to be a Jewish person, or a racist depiction of a Jewish person. Yeah. The second ones are racist depiction of a black person. The third ones, it's just Asian. They don't it's just say. Steve. It's, it's a, it a racist depiction <laughs> of an Asian person. Just, just, just a guy shrugging. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm here. doing here. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just it's bad. It's just throughout the game, that's how it is. They don't. But I mean, what? they did d- things like that. Did exist, really yeah. exist, and that's where they pulled it from. I feel bad for the people that had to like design this stuff to put it in the game. They're like probably with every fiber of their being, they're like. Ugh. They're like, trying to draw. <laughs> and and they don't use, the one that they don't do, which is kind of nice, nice is a relative term, but it's nice because they don't use, they don't drop any N-bombs, they don't, oh, they, God, don't use, yeah. they don't use racial slurs in the game, which is, that's something a little bit, because that would have been, there's already, yeah. they, you know. Yeah, I was about to say, there's no way that they could do that. Uh, they, they do it in Grand Theft Auto. Do they? Yeah. See, I don't play those games because I don't like them. I mean, it, it, ha- it happens in games. It's just, in this one, it's very story-driven. It'd be rough to hear all the time, I think. The game's already pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, on top of that, I'd be like, I don't know. If I oh, gosh. Games. That's like, what is that movie? I know. It's completely 12 unreleased. Days of Slave. I haven't watched it yet, but. I think it's 12 years. I don't know why it's it is 12 days. years. Yeah, 12 days is 12 days of Slave? Like, like my hardship of almost two weeks. <laughs> well, to be fair, any time spent like that is yeah. would be yeah, hardship, but, um. Yeah. Was it uh, Django? Oh, oh, I was like cringing the whole time watching that movie. I was like, oh, yeah. oh okay, all right, that's an okay. <laughs> it would be similar in a game if I if I don't know if I could even play through the whole thing listening to that. It's like ear sandpaper. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird how games have that ability to like. Because this didn't happen when we were younger. When we were younger, if you're playing, when have you ever cringed at a Nintendo game? You can get mad. It could it could incite happiness, joy, mm. or laughter. But never like, I mean, has everybody played um, Heavy Rain? Oh. Yeah, now I'm sad, thank you. Sorry. Huh. <laughs> I mean, like, one of those first scenes where you have to choose, yeah. like, to save your son, you, like, get a cough a finger. All right. Again, like, do what's right or do what's easy. Yeah. And, like, you don't think about it. It's funny. Like, all right, we'll do it. And, Always and, do what's right. And then when he does it, like, when he's screaming the game, like, you're like, this is rough. Because, like, you're like, you didn't think it would affect you the way it does. When uh, our friend Matt was playing, there's that one scene where you have to escape the... I don't want to call him. He's the guy that works at the junkyard. Mm-hmm. He traps you in the car where you're about to get crushed. Ooh. And like we didn't die at that part, so we didn't. We're like, oh, we sh- we got out, we beat him up, mm. and went to the next area. Yeah. He, they, he, him, and three of his friends were playing. They're passing the controller around when they're playing, and whoever was playing didn't get it and died. And he said it's like a four minute scene of him like screaming in the car. Oh my god! I was crushing him. Oh. I was like, I was like, 
dude, really? He's like, yep. And we were all just like, I don't think we're going to play this for a while. Four minutes of a human being crushed. Lovely. It was, okay. it was crazy. I was like, I want to play this game again. <laughs> like, I'm kind of scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my ankle. Oh, God. Oh, the rest of me is fine. But <laughs> such Oh, my favorite one. Yeah. Like, it's just like... like slowly moving yeah, around like, his whole body. Yeah, it didn't crush like, it like this. It just crushed him like this. Yeah. It went up. Up his body. Instead. I was about to say, nobody sees what you're doing. I, that's, why I, that's why I just said up his it body. It chopped him in pieces, in pieces, yeah. All right, well, now that we mentioned those twins, I think Brian's going to jump in now. We're going to talk about... Um, you know, double t- mint gum? The, the double mint, double mint twins. Yeah. The uh, time-space differential and the multiverse and how it applies to this game. So, uh, fill us in, Brian. Yeah, so it's very complicated, but I can give you the watered-down layman's version of it, of <laughs> kind of, sort of, the, the junior scientists <laughs> perception, if you will. All right, so I mean, you have physics. So you have you have okay. So you have traditional physics, which is Newtonian physics, and that's the physics of the real world of how objects interact, gravity, all that, all that good stuff. Now you have quantum physics as well, which is vastly more complicated because when we talk about quantum physics, we're talking about the physics of possibility which gets very, very messy. Um, mm-hmm. I think a good way I have a <laughs> grasp, in quote, in air quotes, of it is through quantum computing, which is, if you know standard computing, you have bits and bytes, and you have, you know, binary code. Ones and zeros. Ones and, it's a one or it's a zero, that's and it. that's it. Well, in quantum computing... Y- it's a, it can be a one, it can be a zero, but it, it can also exist as both or either, either or. or yeah. um, so if, if you have it that... It as both at the same time? Yes, which is a very hard... Schrodinger's computer. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's a hard concept to, to wrap your head, your head around, but it's kind of like you have the potential for a one, you have the potential for a zero, but you don't know until it it's actually brought into reality, until that point the potential for both yep. can exist. Okay, so, I mean, how, give us a reference. How does this work with the game itself? So, you know, basically, you know, with, with quantum physics and possibilities, you know, you have this multiverse theory where you have, you know, almost like if you want to water it down, pretty much anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And it's just a question of what comes into existence in our timeline and now we can have an alternate universe where let's say you have a very difficult life choice you have to make where you know let's say you have to chop off your finger or save your son and you choose to chop off your finger and then you live the rest of your life without your finger but when you chop off that finger it also creates it's a a, 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 a branch yeah yes Another another universe where you chose not to chop off your finger, mm-hmm. and then you've got a separate timeline from that. It can branch off an infinite number of branches. So if you want to think of time and time travel, kind of like Back to the Future where they explain it, where they have this one line, and you have this decision, and you branch off, mm-hmm. you know, you say, oh yeah, time travel's impossible, you know, but for the sake of, of this game, and even according to quantum physics, well, everything. Yeah, as possible, and you're not really traveling through time at that point. Technically, you're traveling to a different universe where, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, you'll travel back to time where where you had this decision to cut off your finger or to save your son, and instead of making one choice, you make the other, and therefore you're, you're traveling to this other 
universe, this other branch. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, the direct connection to this game is once you get Elizabeth, or once you meet up with her, excuse me, and you want to bring her back uh, to wipe away your debt, you realize that she has the ability to, I think she just calls them tears. She can mm -hmm. open up space and time to see these divergence of timelines. So she can hop between these times. Because that's what you do for a bit. You know, you're in that version of Columbia where everything is okay. Where there's always people in the sky and they're totally fine being racist jerks. And then when she opens the tear and we jump into the next one, all the, I guess the, all the workers in Columbia rise up. And those are usually people that are African American or Asian or Jewish or all those people that they kind of like. The general oppressed population. The, the, yeah, they, yeah. They rise up as... Not a union, as a like a, a rebel force to fight Columbia. So when you, you jump into one of the tears, in this version, there's like a giant statue of Booker DeWitt because he fought for the people in this version. So you can jump between these tears and see the divergence in the timelines. So it's never the same. So you have to. That was one of the parts of the game that I was like, all right, wait a minute. Like I had to like stop and be like, okay, which? Where am I? I'm like, what am which, I doing? Am I in good place? Am I in bad place? Oh, they're all bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, which which one am I in? Do they, do they like me here? Or do they not like me here? Yeah. Because depending on where you're at. Hmm. And one of her other abilities, too, is you can manifest objects from different universes and yeah. bring them into your which is really cool. universe, which I, I, I that's love a that. fun one. That's really neat. Because then you could set up walls for cover. You could set up uh, med kits or... Turrets. Turrets. I love the but. turrets. Yeah. Butts. Yeah, yeah I mean, butts. But I'm like, but we haven't really talked about how, she, how it is that she can do this. Right. Well, I mean, that's... It kind of goes back to... Yeah. Go, go you know, full circle. Full, full circle. Yeah. Time cyclical. Um, yeah, because the two twins that we we're talking about, Rosalind and Robert, they they're the scientists that figure out how to go between the the I guess multiverse. I don't want to use that word because I'm not 100 percent sure that's correct. So, but they can jump between the mm -hmm. the, the set the timelines, and once they figure that out, um, they go back to talk to Booker to get his daughter. When they say get the girl to wipe away the debt, in the beginning of the game, you think you're going to Jesus. Just kidnap this girl? Yeah, you think you're going to Columbia to kidnap the girl to bring her back to New York. But what actually happened when you get close to the end of the game is you Elizabeth is actually your daughter, and you give them to Tess, and they go back to the to the portal. Hmm. And they experiment on her and give her the ability to... So she doesn't need these machines to jump through time shifts. She can just do it by herself. Yeah. I know that's probably like... If you've never played the game, your, your brain's probably melting. So it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. I apologize. So <laughs> it's kind of like if you've played Portal. Yeah, this is a stretch. Yeah. Like, no, Rick, and, say, like Rick and Morty. Portal is in its own timeline. I mean, not it's it's in one timeline. Yeah. It's not in multiple timelines. I was going to say, like Rick and Morty, they have the Portal gun. Yeah. And they can create these portals Por to different uni universes. universes. And it's like you don't need the gun. It's, it, it's, it's, she, it's, just, she has the ability built in. Right. Yeah, it's it is, it's exactly just like that. And what ends up happening is, after you slowly start to figure things out, you know, you finally meet Comstock as Booker DeWitt, and uh, you kill him, because that's what you do, you kill people. And once the tower's destroyed, Elizabeth can use her power freely. I guess that's what was... That's the only part of the game I felt like was shoehorned in. Because she could use the tears, but only to, like, give you weapons, do this and that. You couldn't just, like, be like, let's go to Paris. Bang. And just, like, she couldn't leave. So you just open the tears a little bit. If they were in a direct timeline with her, then you could do that. Like, if it was in Columbia. But she couldn't be like, all right, we're going to New York. But boop, and they hop to New York. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. It had to be where they're at. You know, so they kind of shoehorned that at the end. She's like, oh, if we destroy that tower, we can just leave. I was like, oh, okay. Because the first I heard of this. At the end of the game, I was like, let's destroy the tower, I guess. <laughs> so then we destroyed it, and then 
the timeline's all open. Before I forget, I gotta say this too. The first time you meet Elizabeth, she can open tears, the ones that she can open to other places in the world that she can't go, but she can look. She opens one, and it's a movie theater in France in 1990, and it says Return of the Jedi in French ah. on the movie theater. Because I, I caught it, and I was like, does that say Jedi? And then, you know, then she, it, the tear has to close because she can't go through it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. M- Morty, Morty, we, we got to destroy this tower. I got to... I gotta get back to 1990 for that Szechuan sauce, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess a quick wrap-up of the game, to my, the best of my abilities, is you kill Comstock as DeWitt, and then since the tower is destroyed, you can go wherever you want. Elizabeth kind of fills you in on everything that's happening. So you see, she explains, kind of just what Brian explained, the divergence in all the timelines, how they work, how there's multiple versions of Booker and her, that this whole, is where it gets really confusing. Yeah, it's going to get crazy. I'm so sorry. Um, so I'll do my best. They kind of trick you in the beginning of the game. Give us the girl, wipe away the debt. So you think you're going to kidnap Elizabeth, but you already gave up Elizabeth. You just don't know it. You can't remember because of all the divergence in the timelines. You're actually Comstock. After the Pinkertons and the Battle of Wounded Knee, one version of Booker was so overwhelmed with remorse guilt yeah yeah guilt and remorse that he went to a i don't know what kind of church he wants to be baptized and every version of booker like do- born again born again yeah yeah every version of booker doesn't do it except for one and that one version that does it is comstock mm. so that's how comstock is created so he becomes born again racist kind of yeah pretty much <laughs> wasn't, yeah wasn't there a baptism in the first one as yes well? right, right in the beginning yeah. he, he gets pissed off about it because he almost drowns him yeah. And he's, he's like, that stupid preacher should learn how to baptize people, not drown them. Or the difference, I'm sorry, he should learn the difference between baptizing a man and drowning him. <laughs> but yeah, no, right in the beginning. So, but yes, that's that's how this pretty much goes is Booker wants to stop Comstock. And unfortunately, he still doesn't figure out that he's Comstock, which is bonkers. You figure it out before he does. Because mm. he t- says Elizabeth, he's like, I don't want these timelines to happen. We got to kill Comstock in his crib. So none of this will happen. You won't get kidnapped. And then she says, she's like, are you sure? And he says, yes. And then when they open the door, they're at the baptism. And it's him standing there. And he's like, I don't understand. And then... Well, so she already knew. She knew. Yeah. Because as she's talking, she says... she could open these the, and these, see them. And, exactly. Because yeah. then when she's talking to him, she said there's... You know, she explains again that there's many different versions. She's like, all the other versions... Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a little bit. Um, right before he's about to get baptized, that version of Booker obviously doesn't get... The one we're playing as didn't get baptized. Yeah. So he pushes that priest away. And he's like, he's like, a little bit of water is not going to wash away my sins. This is stupid. And she's like, yes, your version didn't do that, but one did, and that's turned into Comstock. And she's, and he's like, what do you mean? And then as Elizabeth is talking to you, all these other Elizabeths start walking out from the different timelines. And like one's like... Uh, they all look slightly different. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they're from like, one's like from that revolutionary one, and one's like a very old version of her. Because yeah. one, one got stuck in like a insane asylum. Like there's all these different versions that walk out that are her. And then he figured, you know, he's like, so if I was never born, if this version of me dies, then there won't be any more. And she's like, yes. And all of them. So if this if this version of Booker dies, then Comstock will never be created. Yeah. Comstock will never be created in either. Well, all the other versions. Yeah. Because then they, they pretty much drown him. And then all the versions of Elizabeth start to disappear. And then just that original one's left. Yeah. Standing there. That's how the game ends. So, yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot. Sorry if your face is, face is melted. Face melt! <laughs> I guess the last thing we'll talk about is, and it's a short little thing, is the man in the lighthouse. When Elizabeth is explaining uh, to Booker about these different timelines and how everything works, she says there's always a man and there's always a lighthouse. And through 
minus system shock, but through all the Bioshocks, that's exactly how it goes. In the first game, the plane crashes, there's a man, and you swim up on the on the stairs. That's the lighthouse that brings you down to Rapture. In the second game, same thing. You start as a big daddy, you end up outside, you gotta go back into the lighthouse to get your little sister back. Mm-hmm. And then in the third one, there's the game starts with you in the rowboat, like we said, and you're making your way to the lighthouse. So... Interesting. Well, that, and when you're going through the end of the game, too, you see all, all the different the, versions. That, that's really cool. I forgot about that. In yeah. all the different lighthouses, and, like, the it's weird, the docks, like, coming up, up underneath you it's, as you're walking. I, I forgot like, to mention appearing that. Appearing out of thin that's air. That's awesome. You're walking towards the lighthouse with Elizabeth, and she's explaining these, the multiverse. And if you look around, as far as you could possibly see, there's just lighthouses. Everywhere. And docks. Like, docks. And there's even, like, one time when you're walking by, and there's another Booker DeWitt dressed differently than you. Hmm. You're, like, walking by looking at each other. I was like, huh. Okay. And they mentioned how the stars are actually lighthouses. So you, cool. when you're looking at the stars, it's not really the stars. They're lighthouses. And those are the different points in the multiverses that, that move between them. That's insane. <laughs> it's good stuff. So, An interesting aspect of the game, this is another part from history, is the, the backgrounds, the architecture. Mm-hmm. And this goes throughout the um, entire Bioshock series. It's heavily influenced by the Art Deco <laughs> period. <laughs> circa 1920 to 1930s now it gets a little confusing when you talk about architecture because if you say oh gothic or you know anything else it's a very defined style whereas art deco is an era yep so it encompasses a lot which is both parts of it if you really think about it like both rapture and columbia fall under that category yeah you know yeah uh columbia more so the advertisements which we'll i'll talk about after the architecture and for rapture more so the architecture i I think yeah three biggest influence for art deco was you know the rise of automobiles yep so they took aspects from automobile designs chrome curves metal and they started incorporating it into uh, architecture Uh, picasso for sure uh, in the form of cubism so you know the, the taking form taking a subject and and making it just representing it with just geometric shapes mm-hmm. was uh, very, uh, very big. The, again, more so with the ads than the architecture, but you know, still, still very big influence. Yeah. Uh, and last was uh, Egypt. The, the King King Tut mm-hmm. was uncovered around that time, so you had a lot of horizontals. You had things coming in three glyphs. You had the ziggurat kind of shapes that they would incorporate yep. into our, even some art decory the art decory <laughs> art decory <laughs> some art decory some art deco jewelry i've seen looks like it's you know egyptian yep um yep. which is very cool and also the ads too if you look at the the posters for um you know the in-game posters for bioshock infinite looks like uh you know wine posters if you've seen yeah. them before yeah Mm-hmm. Much with, like I said, that cubism influence from Pablo Picabo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pablo Picabo. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? Yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's about wrap it up. This is my pick. I had a good time. Thank you for helping, guys. <laughs> no <Not> help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next episode we're gonna do is uh, Phoenix Wright. That is uh, objection. <laughs> Brian's pick, obviously. Hold it. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do that. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. I'm Kevin. I'm Caitlin. I'm Brian. 
And this was Pixel Story.